Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen and today I'm talking about human nature and the family of blood. This is always a very high re- highly regarded story. Um, in the Back in 2009 in the uh, survey that Doctor Who magazine did of all of the episodes, it came 6th out of 200. Um, and yeah, it's a great two-parter it's uh very different from a typical dot who story in in many ways um what i'm gonna start talking about is the historical setting of course it's a historical episode i'm gonna talk about the historical setting so why is it set in 1913 um it's mainly for this idea of having this country on the brink of war and having the dramatic irony of knowing that the students in in the episode will be fighting in the next few years um where you know the audience knows knows what is coming for them um and that in particular is shown in the scene where the boys shoot at the scarecrows because you have the parallel there with um in the first episode when they were shooting at the models in their class so the uh the mannequins with the buckets on their head and that class was a practice for this shooting at the scarecrows which is in its turn a practice for world war one that that, that's coming soon um i wonder if the fact you have that dramatic irony i i don't know if that creates a resonance with the fact that the whole episode we have this uh, dramatic irony with the audience knowing that John Smith is the doctor and knowing all of these things that John Smith talks about in his journal and um, with the, the watch and when he sees the sonnet screwdriver the audience knows exactly what's up um, but of course, the character that John Smith in particular doesn't know. Um, so I don't know if that creates a kind of resonance there with with the setting. Um, yeah. Uh, the other reason for the setting is we have a contrast of the Doctor's pacifism, um, which we've seen a few times in this series. I think um or maybe I'm getting confused but certainly it's a, it's a well established part of of the doctor um so we have contrast of that with John Smith's kind of acceptance of the military school and of the uh kind of society of like yeah this is the way it is we're giving discipline to these students and um that is the military discipline of, of 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 you know they will probably go on and 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 fight in a war although the wars that the characters are imagining at that time obviously aren't the war that they will actually have to fight um so yeah we have that kind of contrast as well um it's interesting because I mean, the Doctor essentially is not in these episodes until, like, the last 15 minutes or so. 
Um, so kind of instead of directly having the doctor being kind of a pacifist and stuff, we actually have Latimer instead in one of my favourite uh, favorite lines of the episode when uh, his school friend says, um, Latimer, you filthy coward, and Latimer goes, oh yes, sir, every time. That's a very doctorish line. Um, so we have him being the kind of, yeah, not going to fight, not going to... Um, not gonna put himself in danger for uh for no reason um we also have 1913 is an interesting one um because we kind of have a country on the brink of change um because it's kind of the edwardian era that it's set in it it's kind of got one foot still in the Victorian era um, in terms of the manners and certainly for a upper class boarding school like this. It's not... It, yeah, it, it's solidly upper class, not um, like not royalty or anything, but, but certainly certainly upper class. Um, what were they just saying? Uh, oh yeah, the kind of the manners of the upper class, it's still very much kind of what we would think of as the Victorian era, but in 1913 you've got, um, you've got the seeds of, of the things that are going to change and the changes that the First World War in particular are going to shock into happening um, in terms of um, class structure and gender roles and, and, and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of the context of, of this Edwardian era. Um, in my head... I'm I'm just trying to think about whether uh, in 1913 whether they know that they're coming to the end of an era or not. Um certainly the seeds are there, but I think that's I think that's me talking with the benefit of hindsight of knowing what's about to come of it's about to change. They yeah, I think at the time they weren't aware that they were going to have quite such radical changes over over the next 30 to 50 years my point is my point is uh, after talking about the edwardian era there for five minutes um my point is is that there is a resonance in the fact that you have uh the family as being the villains of the episode you have the family reaching the end of their lifespan and the fact that we know as the audience that the kind of the specific elements of the society that were shown here, though they're also reaching the end of their lifespan. Um, which is, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, so this TV story is uh, based on a Doctor Who book that was um, written in the 90s. And I have read the book, but not, 
pro- probably not since about when the episode uh, came out. Um, and the book has a suffragette character in it, um, which is appropriate because that that's I think that's one of the main changes of the First World War is the kind of shock to some of the um gender roles um but the class structures are also disrupted um and then disrupted further by the Wall Street crash and the Second World War but yeah it all starts in the First World War. Anyway, point is, setting it in 1913 in the Edwardian era, you have these rigid class structures and roles in society, which leads me on to what I want to talk about with Martha. Um, Martha really flourishes during this story, because, like I said, the Doctor's not in until the last 15 minutes. Martha is the only one that knows she's in a Doctor Who story, um, you know, who knows that there are aliens there and who knows how to deal with the aliens and who knows kind of the stakes of the episode. Um, and yeah, she really flourishes, despite, I mean, when you think of it, about it, having like quite a rough time of things, we don't, we don't see much of it because obviously we're coming in it after she's been there for like two months and we only get to see you know one or two days of of, of them but really like a 1913 upper class boarding school is probably one of the worst places in UK history that Martha could be stranded um with those kind of rigid class race and gender dynamics that that we have um, and the setting is, I think, partially there to highlight that. Or, or maybe that's a side effect of the setting is there for all of the other reasons that I've talked about it. But actually having Martha as the companion means you can highlight um, stuff like the racism that she experiences and, and the um, sort of expectations with regard to her gender and, and class because Martha's definitely not upper class um and that's similar to kind of how we saw in the Shakespeare episode um and the bit that jumps out to me is again it shows that the doctor's not really taking into account the implications of Martha being a person of colour in the time that they're currently in, um, which it's more understandable when he's, you know, around to protect her, um, like in, in the Shakespeare episode, but, like, here, Martha's having to fend for herself and having... She has to spend this several months of time in 1913 biting her tongue and looking out for the doctor. And, of course, Martha doesn't know for certain whether they'll get out. Um, she's fairly confident because she, you know, says to Jenny that, you know, she's going to be leaving soon and all, and all of that. But how much of that is, you know, her trying to keep her hopes up? Um, the other thing with Martha kind of, you know, being stuck and having to fend for herself here 
it sort of foreshadows her journey around the earth at the end of the series um she has a lot of endurance to be able to deal with both being stuck in 1913 and um and journeying around the earth in in the finale um yeah moss is great moss is really great um yeah I think there are some interesting parallels between Joan and Martha. Um, yeah, there's some interesting things. So, in general, the two of them, they're both kind of competing for the Doctor or for John Smith. I don't like the word competing in this uh, situation, but I can't think of an alternative. Um so you have the emotional component first of all of my other favorite line in this episode of martha saying you had to go and fall in love with a human and it wasn't me like i love that line i remember being obsessed with that line as a teenager um yeah so good so you have that emotional component um of the fact that the doctor well john smith starts to fall for joan and martha is not only in love with the doctor but is there protecting him and and you know only there because because of the doctor um and yeah so you have that element but of course it has higher stakes than just a love triangle their conflict uh for Joan and Martha it's about which man should sort of go forward which man which man should survive the time lord or the human um and obviously that has higher stakes because if the doctor doesn't come back then I mean there would probably have been a way to defeat the family um I say that and I'm I'm now remembering the kind of bombardment when they're in the uh when they're in the cottage talking it over and yeah actually maybe maybe it would have been a bit tricky to actually defeat defeat them without the doctor so this kind of central conflict between Joan and Martha um is why it makes sense to draw some parallels so we've got the direct uh thing where they are both medical people they are you know they both have this very like caring profession the nurse and and the doctor and we have a a literal direct link with what we saw with Martha back in Smith and Jones with Joan checking John Smith to see if he had two hearts which of course is what Martha did in the first um episode where she was just checking his heart and realized he had two hearts we've got that direct link which is a neat callback um they're also both characters are 
very pragmatic, I think, and very practical. Um, Martha is, um, shows this in saying that, you know, the Doctor is needed now, we're in danger, let's open the watch, get on with things. Um, and But Joan is as well, when, when John Smith is basically in denial that he's really the Doctor, um, and Joan is just there gently pointing out that, no, you did, you did mention the blue box, you know, you did have that in your journal, um, you, you did have a watch on the mantelpiece, like, why can't you remember it? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely similar, similarities in, in their character, um, there is also the contrast. Um, Joan, as a white woman, as a more upper class or certainly middle class woman, and as a widow, um, she has much easier movement through the world in 1913. Which makes sense because, after all, in the context of the story, Joan is a native inhabitant of 1913. Martha is not. Um, so we do have that contrast as well. Um, and I think that maybe comes across in... No, not maybe comes across. Definitely comes across in some of her interactions with Martha. Um, I note the widow element specifically because... Um, the kind of, we, we do see that some of the like gender dynamics are at play with, with how Martha is, um, treated in 1913. And it's my understanding that, yeah, if you were a widow, you had slightly more freedom, um, in terms of, your place in society depending a little bit on the status of your late husband and and your kind of monetary status but certainly Joan as a middle to upper class white woman with a profession um yeah her as a widow has um slightly uh easier movement than she would have if she was a uh, a single woman um yeah every time we do a historical episode I, I do say oh yeah I really like the historical episode I think that's coming across during this one um with the amount I'm talking about some of the uh some of the uh historical contact here the next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the doctor uh despite the fact that he's only in there for 15 minutes um but, I mean, he sets up this story as well. And, honestly, I don't think the Doctor comes across very well in this story. Which is interesting, because... So, I do remember either the first time I watched it or watching this as a teenager. I do remember getting this, like, profound sense of relief when uh the doctor shows up again at the end of uh, being like oh great the character i love is back 
fabulous let's let's go um but yeah watching this this time um he really doesn't come across very well uh and i don't know if this is because you know doing this rewatch and talking about every episode i have you know pointed out that he's a bit of a dick to martha so i might be a little bit uh biased against the doctor at the moment you know i i think he might need to do some uh some redeeming himself in in my eyes in this rewatch um but yeah um but i think fundamentally in this story we get an outside perspective on his character um and this is particularly with uh latimer because uh, Latimer is really scared of what he sees of the Doctor in the watch. Um, I suppose the watch has his sort of Time Lord element. But I suppose, like, his human side in John Smith has kept all the sort of, like... A lot of the good characteristics of the Doctor. Like, we see John Smith being, you know... Uh, heroic with the cricket ball thing and we see him being charming and uh, sympathetic and, and all of that um, so you know one could argue that maybe the watch just has the um, yeah the kind of the scarier parts of the doctor without without those qualities that sort of make him um more of a heroic and, and a likable character perhaps um one so one reason why the doctor doesn't come across very well in this story is he doesn't appear to have considered the impact of hiding in 1913 um because because the Doctor's only in the last 15 minutes, but he also sets up the episode. There's not there's not many uh, parts we can point to and go, well, this is the Doctor here, and he's doing X, Y, Z. But one of the parts is, you know, the fact that they are there in the first place. So he doesn't consider the danger that's following him, um, and he doesn't consider his impact on the inhabitants of that time partly from the danger point of view but also like the whole thing that Martha says of of the doctor didn't warn me that he might fall in love with someone you know the doctor didn't think about that he didn't give me any instructions to stop it um yeah in defense of his choice I'm not sure what other choice he had. You know, we don't... I, we don't know... We, we don't know, to be honest, if the Doctor deliberately steered it there or if the Doctor just put the TARDIS on random or if the Doctor, you know, gave some kind of parameters. Um, I was trying to think of, like, if there was a different thing he could have done because... In terms of escaping from the family, he just needs to go and live as a human for three months and hope that they don't find him. So I was wondering, like, he maybe could have gone and been, like, a hermit somewhere with Martha, um, maybe, um, in the middle of nowhere, 
so that though if they did bring danger it would only be on the two of them um or i mean part of the issue here is that he gets integrated within this community um and you know has the opportunity to form a close bond with joan um so maybe if he'd been like i don't know some sort of like traveling entertainer traveling storyteller in i don't know well when is a traveling storyteller a thing early medieval era maybe 16th century um my idea being of like well if they'd been traveling about they wouldn't have had too much of an impact on any one community um although i was also like looking at it going well also consider you know what would be best for martha as well so i was thinking well you definitely have to avoid you know the several centuries when the plague is rampant because that wouldn't be pleasant for martha to to live um to live through and would be extremely dangerous um and obviously you have to consider the 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 race aspect of you know where can you go that martha would be safe um but yeah it does the story does skate over exactly how much of a conscious choice going to uh, 1913 was. The other element where the Doctor is not at his best in this episode is the family's punishments at the end. To me, they kind of seem overly cruel. Um, watching it this time, I was thinking why not just you know keep them prisoner but let them expire with their short life bands um from a story perspective i wonder if it's that we need to have the kind of in-story contrast with smith uh because in these episodes the sort of contrasts between the doctor and john smith a lot of the work is coming from what the audience already knows of the Doctor, which um, works fine if you've watched a lot of Doctor Who, might not work fine if you're just happening to tune in for that story. Um, so the punishments do kind of have this contrast with the man that John Smith was and, and the man that the Doctor is. Um, and also it kind of, justifies why Latimer is so scared of what he sees of the Doctor in the watch but yeah the thing that make gives me pause is that the family they're not that awful a set of villains you know they're fairly um like they're a great concept um really well done the four actors that play them uh, do a really good job um but they're not they're not trying to do anything like anything particularly different oh no not different they're not trying to do anything worse you know they're not like the daleks um where you know they're trying to destroy the whole whole of reality or something or they're not 
you know, they're not placing humans in some sort of, I don't know, torture chamber or something. They're, they're just... I mean, the kindest reading is they're just trying to survive, but you do get the impression that if they'd gotten hold of the uh, Time Lord genetic stuff, they would have gone on to bigger and worse things. Um, from an outside-the-story perspective, I do really like the, like, almost Sisyphean nature of their punishments. Um, it makes for an interesting end for them that's not just they die. Um, it's only from an in-story perspective that it makes the Doctor seem a bit crueler than he typically is. Um, but yeah, I really do like this idea of, of, um, of, right, you wanted to live forever, sure, let's give you what you wanted, but let's twist it so that you regret it. It, it, it feels like something out of a Greek tragedy. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, why, why I describe the nature of their punishment as, as Sisyphean, it has that kind of Greek tragedy feel, um, like Tantalus, of whose crime was related to food, um, and 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 who is forever not able to eat or 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 drink despite being surrounded by fruit and water. Um, sorry, just minorly cracking myself up there by uh, by by having described Tantalus as a crime as being related to food um go and google the myth and you'll understand why i find that funny but i really um i probably shouldn't get into telling a whole greek myth on uh an episode that's not about um not about greek myth (laughs) the final thing i want to talk about here is coincidence cause or catalyst So are the monsters there independent of the Doctor because of the Doctor or do they accelerate their plan because of him? Now, uh, this is definitely a cause. And in fact, this is a story that um, first got me thinking about the idea of, you know, whether um, the Doctor causes the danger in the story, whether the Doctor's kind of... um, yeah the the cause of the of the monsters or or whether uh whether it is a coincidence and he just happened to come across them um and yeah this is this one he he certainly causes the location because he's the one who chooses to go there um and more than that the family is specifically hunting him they specifically want him um so this in this case he absolutely is the cause of the monsters being there now um the reason that this story kind of uh first made me kind of think of this idea of you know how often the doctor causes uh causes the monsters is the fact that joan calls him out on on this aspect um and we've seen this before a little bit with um particularly with queen victoria and tooth and claw um but yeah 
So at the end, the doctor um asked Joan to travel with him, which I'd actually forgotten he asked that. Um and it's this part that that causes her to 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 hold the doctor to account with the why did you come here question. Um because up till then the scene's been like a little bit awkward and the doctor you know we you have the nice ex- uh, nice it's not nice but you have the exchange i like of um of joan saying can you change back and the doctor saying yes and then joan saying okay will you and the doctor saying no um i like i like that exchange i think it's a neat a neat way of putting it um but you have yeah the scene it's like it's awkward it's clearly hard for Joan because the doctor looks like the man she loves but it's not until he asks her to travel with him that she I don't know it's almost like a a switch is flicked and she um yeah she challenges him and you know what I think she was right to challenge him on this. Um, and this is kind of building on what I said about the Doctor not coming across in, in the best way in this episode. Because him asking Joan to travel with him, it kind of comes across as vanity, almost. Um, like, he wants Joan to see the better side of him. Like, he knows that he's not not been at his best in this story um there is a slightly more forgiving reading of of this scene of i wonder if he feels some empathy with joan having having lost rose um and you know maybe his line of thought is that well you know i travel to distract myself so why don't i offer that to joan as well so a slightly kinder reading of the story, that would be. But, yeah, she's right to challenge him on it, in this case. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting one to talk about. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I have an email address for this podcast, if anyone has any commentary or would like to get in touch. Um, I'd love to hear from you. The email address is helentalkswho at gmail.com. Next time, I will be watching Blink. Um, Hopefully not late at night with a thunderstorm outside. See ya.